the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. You believe he's above all? He is above all, isn't he? You know, the thing is, he's not just a little above all. He is so far above all that there is no seeing him beyond himself. He is there in transcendent glory, and he takes in majesty all the heavens and all the universes and all that is laid before him. He spoke them into place, and he holds them together by the word of his power. That is who is above all. And you know, sometimes our vision gets so weak that we have trouble seeing the glory and majesty of the one who's above all. And what happens is we get discouraged and we get fearful or we get depressed or we get down because of circumstance and situation. And we believe that those things are above all. But he is above all. I'm glad to be his child. I'm glad to be held in his bosom. I'm glad that I know that the one who holds me is above all. We are at the end of Second Timothy. And 2 Timothy is uh, a book that's just full of exhortation. It's Paul. Paul knows he's coming to the end of his life. And here's a man who has walked faithfully with the Lord some 30 years. He has endured all kinds of hardships and difficulties. And it, it has come to this place where he knows that he's about to leave. He's about to depart. And he, he's writing Timothy, his most beloved disciple. That's, we're in 2 Timothy chapter 4, for those of you who are looking for the place. And he's writing to his most beloved disciple. And see, here's the thing, guys. Timothy is faltering. He's got a lot of things coming against him. There's a persecution set off by Nero. And they're killing Christians. And Paul is, in fact, one of those that is suffering because of that persecution. He's been thrown into prison. And he's awaiting the death sentence. He's awaiting execution in prison. And Timothy, he left Timothy at the church at Ephesus, which had been literally taken over by false teachers. And they had moved into carnality, into apostasy. And he is teaching a group of people who are coming against him, who are, who are contentious, who are fleshy. And he is young in, in the 
in their eyes. He's young, so therefore he doesn't have much credibility and he's constantly doing war with them. On top of that, he's Paul's friend. Paul's just been arrested, thrown into dungeon. And this persecution's going on around him. And he's not a real forceful character. He's kind of a, a more reserved kind of guy. And he's got all this pressure on top of him. And he's beginning to falter. Timothy has always had a, I guess, a, a lineman in front of him with Paul. He's always had someone that was going to protect him. And he could preach in Paul's shadow, and he could take the heat with Paul standing beside him. But he was in a very difficult place right now. And where was Paul? In prison. And what Paul's trying to show Timothy is that, and what we're going to show tonight, is Christian, you were made for the fight. That's not a popular message. What we like to hear is that we were made for sunshine and roses. We were made for all of these beautiful things and that we shouldn't have any hardship. But I'm going to tell you that it is not about the hardship. It's about us being true to who we are and hell coming against that. That's what it is. Let's look at our text. We're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 4 and we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 5 through 8. But you, Timothy, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Verse 6 begins with 4 which is in reference to verse 5. And we looked at verse 5 last week. It says, be sober in all things. And we talked about this. The word sober is defined in the Greek as calm and collected in spirit. And again, the soul is not always calm and collected, is it? Is that your experience? It's always calm and collected because I want a prescription for whatever your own. But that's not the truth. That's not the truth of our soul, is it? It's a roller coaster most of the time. But because our spirits dwell in union with his spirit, that's 1 Corinthians six seventeen. there is a peace, a balance, a calm with our spirit. So the Greek says being sober is being calm and collected in spirit. Now, what is being described is not indifferent. It is not being unrealistic. It is being secure in the truth and unmoved by circumstances in all things. Timothy was experiencing hardship and opposition on a lot of fronts, and he's faltering. And Paul discerned this primarily through the Spirit of God, who's really the author of this letter. And the Spirit is pleading with Timothy through the pen of Paul in this letter. And he says, Timothy, please do not waver. Do not fall back. Do not compromise. Hold fast. You see that all through Timothy. It's not unnatural 
for us when things are coming against us, and particularly things that were coming against Timothy, to withdraw within ourselves and say, I've got to protect myself. Everything's falling apart. The world's coming against me. I don't have the strength to battle these things. And what is going on is the enemy will keep you so distracted with what's coming against you that you don't remember who's for you, who's your strength, who's holding you up. When you read about the life of Paul and all that he endured, all the hardship, the shipwreck, the beating with rods, the lashes up to the point of death, the, you know, the nakedness, the, all of the things that he endured over time, a stoning, do you really think that it was his physical strength and determination of character that carried him through? Is that what you walk away with? No, it wasn't Paul at all. It was the power and life of Christ that Paul had embraced that literally infused strength within him, empowered him, is his own words empowered him to go forward. Now, Timothy has begun to lose sight of that, and we do so easily, don't we? We so easily forget the strength that God has placed in us by virtue of his life. The strength of a branch is not the branch, it's the vine. The life of a branch is not the branch, it's the vine. And a branch that doesn't recognize the vine doesn't live. It's just that simple. Timothy was faltering in his faith. You see, we all go through that. I mean, how often do you doubt? Do you falter in fear? Do you doubt his love, his faithfulness, his presence? Perhaps you doubt that God could ever complete his will in you or do anything with your life that's worthwhile. Do not fall back. Do not compromise. Hold fast. The enemy wants you to believe that your emotions and your fears could be held in check if you just could muster the strength to stand. Can you see Timothy dealing with that? You know, Paul was a strong character, and he might attribute to Paul's flesh far more than Paul's flesh deserved. And he would say, you know, if I just had the character of Paul, I could stand. And how many times have you been to a service, and these, these beautiful people of God get up there, and the enemy draws a sharp contrast between their faithfulness and what you believe your life is? And you say, oh, if I could just have the faith of, of, of Miss Saber, if I could just have the faith of the other people in the congregation, if I could just have that kind of determination, man, I, I would be strong for the Lord. I would walk in truth. And can you see Timothy falling into that trap? But here's the thing, guys. Paul's not saying to Timothy, and we're going to see this here in a minute, Paul is not saying to Timothy that you need my resolve. You need my strength. You need my determination of character. He's not even saying you need my faith. What's he saying? What brings Timothy beyond this fear and this doubt? The enemy wants you to believe that if you could just muster enough determination, you could stand. And here's the thing. We don't stand in our resolve, do we? We stand in his life. If you haven't proven that to yourself on New Year's resolution, you haven't proved it anywhere. This year, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. 
Does that make it so? No. There's a fight, a diet involved. Not done in your resolution. Paul says, this call is not to find strength in your flesh. It's not a call for you to be as faithful as I am. It's not a call for you to muster within your being all that it takes to be a Christian. That's not it, Timothy. That's not the call at all. But the enemy wants you to believe that because what he'll do is he'll encourage you and he'll say, you know what, first person singular, he'll speak to you and say, you know, Todd, if you just get up at five in the morning and pray every day, or if I would just read a chapter a day, if I would just get up and pray, if I, well, those are all good things are the moorings of truth, but they're not the strength of your life. Christ is the strength of your life. If the enemy can get me to believe that somehow I can come into strength by my determination, then eventually I'm going to leave Jesus behind somewhere. But here's what I know. I can't pray without him. I don't even know what prayer is without him. And I'm not talking about just speaking his name. I'm talking about the communion that prayer represents. And I can't know his word without him. And I'm not talking about a mental understanding. I'm talking about the companionship and and tutorship of the Spirit of God. And I can't enter into any of those things that are really peripheral things that illustrate the life within me without the life within me. He's calling Timothy back to faith to the truth of his strength, to be resolved in his faith. Listen, this is not a word of condemnation to Timothy. This is a word of encouragement. Look closely. It says, be sober in all things. In all things, right? What do you leave out? Anything? So, in all things. That means there is nothing that you face for which you will not need to embrace the truth of your spirit and the rest of his strength. Timothy, you cannot escape the trials and hardships of ministry. You can face them in the supernatural resolve and strength of the Spirit by faith. And that's what I did. In all things. Where's there a break? Where's an oasis? Where can I go and take a break from the fight? I don't take a break from the fight. I walk into the fight daily and in all things. I am sober. My quietness is in my union with His Spirit. My victory is in my union with His Spirit. My hope is in my union with His Spirit in all things. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean I need to have some kind of of spiritual strength to go to the post office? Yes. Does that mean I need some kind of spiritual strength just to go out and pick up the newspaper? Yes. You need spiritual strength to be, to live. Because here's the thing, guys. We have so much respect for what can be done in the flesh that we totally separate ourselves from the reality that we were not made to be natural. We have been remade to be supernatural. To walk in truth. To crave and be passionate about the life of the eternal God that has put himself in union with us. And this is Paul's thing. 
Paul says, Timothy, you're in the ministry, son, and it's, it's, it is a fight. And you don't see me running to look for something better. I always think of Philippians 3.10. And Paul's putting forth in word, he's writing what he wants most. And I'm thinking, Paul's been beaten, Paul's been whipped, Paul's been almost drowned, Paul's been stoned. And I'm thinking, what do I want? Well, I wouldn't mind having a little villa in, somewhere in Italy and maybe a little retirement there. You know, just to, I'd like to arrive in a town where somebody likes me. That would be a big one. No. With all that he has experienced over his short ministry and life, all of the pain that he has endured, all the suffering that he has experienced, because he has proclaimed the name of Jesus everywhere he went, proclaimed the life of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus, with all that he has suffered, what does he say? I want to know him. I want to become more intimately connected with him. I want more of Jesus. Bring it on. I want to know him. Now, that's not flesh, folks. It can't be. Paul's saying, Timothy, I I can't be your strength. That's what verse 6 is telling him. Look at verse 6. It says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. For I am being poured out. My life is nearly spent. And Paul is not referencing the life of the body, the heartbeat, the function of the body, but his life and ministry on the earth. And there are two, basically two offerings that are, being, are taking place here. The pouring out of something on the altar, now that's a drink offering, and it's usually wine or water and honey or water and flour. And what it symbolizes in the rising vapor is creating a pleasing aroma unto the Lord. That's in Numbers 15. And the drink offering was in addition to the animal sacrifice that was already on the altar and was slowly being consumed by the flames. So what Paul is talking about, he's saying, through the whole of my life, my life has been being consumed, slowly being consumed in my ministry unto you. Now, the drink offering. The drink offering, that is something different. The drink offering was in addition to the animal sacrifice. And Paul is likely referencing the blood being poured out in martyrdom as his life at the same time was being slowly consumed on the altar. He's coming to the place where he is about to be beheaded. Just as the life of Christ was consumed in ministry while he walked the earth and his blood was poured out in martyrdom for our sins, Paul is about to be. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering And a sacrifice unto God as a fragrant aroma. You see, in the same way, Jesus lived his life. 
Paul's journey on the earth is almost complete, but it's an eternal path. In Matthew, Jesus symbolizes his covenant with us through the taking of the cup. Matthew 26, verses 27 and 28, he says, And when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. In Philippians 2, 17, Paul wrote, But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering, and upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. See, when Paul wrote Philippians 2.17, it was being hypothetical. But it was the truth of the way he viewed his life. It would be his joy to prove out his faith in this way. Not for his sake but for the sake of those who had not yet known what it is to live a life fully abandoned unto Jesus. Paul writes in Romans, Romans 12, 1. I know you're all probably familiar with this. He says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service and worship. Now, Paul sees his body as a sacrifice. It's present tense. So Paul is saying continually, all the time, offer your body as a living sacrifice, an instrument of righteousness. Now, you cannot be a partial sacrifice. That just doesn't work. You don't lay your arm on the griddle and say, that's my sacrifice. The whole of you is consumed in the body. Now, if you are a child of God... Your life is his. It was created for his eternal plan. The body belongs to him, but it is the battleground of the enemy. The body is the battleground of the enemy. How many of you think you're going to have a battle with sin once you lose this body? Huh? It isn't going to happen. Every temptation that comes against you comes against what? Your flesh, doesn't it? Well, Paul says, I know what you need to do about that. You need to recognize your body as a living sacrifice. The enemy wants you to believe that the body is your life. That the body is your life. And Paul is telling the child of God, if you don't want to live in fear of losing your life, then by faith recognize that your life is hidden in Christ and present your body which is not your life, present your body as a living sacrifice continually. And he also adds, that is acceptable to God. Well, I want to tell you something. It's acceptable because of what Jesus did. It's not acceptable because of what you will do. The body is acceptable because Jesus paid it all. Jesus took every sin to the cross. And the issue with man is not dying for sins. The issue is dying for rejecting Christ. So, Jesus says, the body that I died for needs to be an instrument unto righteousness. It needs to be sacrificially, continually given to me. And I understand this. 
Because I wake up in the morning and I don't feel good about myself. Or I don't feel good about my wife. Or I don't feel good about my circumstances. Notice the word feel in all that. And I get up and it doesn't take long for the enemy to prove that my feelings are correct. Because the coffee grinder anoints me with coffee. And the dog has left me a present. And all kinds of things begin to happen. And my world is starting to collapse. And I pull out of the intersection right behind Grandma Moses in a big old Buick that can't get it above 12 miles per hour. And now I'm convinced the world is destroyed. And I am in the midst of it. But you know what? I didn't get up that morning recognizing who I was in Christ. I didn't get up that morning and say, you know what, Father, everything's going to come against my body, but my body is not mine, it is yours. I lay it on the altar as a living sacrifice unto you. And I recognize that no matter what comes against me, the greater truth, the greater context of my living is my communion with you. I'll walk in that. I'll determine to live in that. I will believe in the truth of that. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.